Connecting life and faith. This is Connections. Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. NFL chaplain and pastor Jonathan Evans remembers living life on cruise control, comfortable where he was, following in the footsteps of his well-known and respected father, Dr. Tony Evans, until one day he realized he didn't know his own role or purpose in life. Jonathan didn't wait to figure it out. He took action and pursued what God had in store for him. He talks about this in his new book, Your Time Is Now, Get What God Has Given You. Today on Connections, he shares with us how he got to this point in his life and why your time is now. We're joined today by a very busy man. We're joined by Jonathan Evans. He's the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. He's also the men's ministry and young adults pastor at Oak Life Bible Fellowship. He can also add to his title author. He's the author of numerous books, including his most recent one, Your Time Is Now, Get What God Has Given You. And we're going to chat about that coming up in a little bit. But first of all, Jonathan, we want to get to know you a little bit better. Tell us about your family and how you got to where you are today. Well, yeah, so I'm from a ministry family. Uh, many people know my dad, Dr. Tony, and Dr. Tony Evans, and my mom, Dr. Lois Evans, and uh, uh, they started a church in 76, and I was born in 81. So when you talk about being born into a family that has lived their life for the Lord, um, that's, that's my story. And, um, and so, you know, I have uh, three siblings. It's, it's four of us total, Crystal, Priscilla, uh, Anthony, and then myself. And uh, we just had a lot of fun growing up. My parents were just unbelievable at teaching us uh, God's word and uh, also um, just having fun, just being parents and just uh, taking us through life and all the ups and downs. And, uh, and so I learned a lot from them. Um, and so what happened is I've been an athlete my whole life and I, I did sports and sports was my thing. And um, eventually that turned into sports ministry as God was leading me. Uh, through my life. So, you know, I have a story just like anybody else, but ultimately it ends up because of the faithfulness of God being a, a story of faith and a, and a story of uh, perseverance and a story of uh, being able to be used by God, not because of me, but because of him. And so I'm just excited to, to have the opportunity to share. And it's amazing. You do all of this while also raising, like you said, five children between yep. the ages. What was it? Five and 12? Yeah, between 12 and 2. So oh, 12 and I've, 2. <laughs> yep. I've been married for 15 years now to my wonderful wife, Kanika, who we both met at Baylor. So we're Baylor Bears. We both graduated <laughs> from Baylor University. And uh, so so go Bears. I got to throw that in there. And then um, from there, you know, we uh, got married in 2006. And now we have five children uh, who keep us very busy. Uh, but it's also uh, very much a blessing. Do you hope to pass on this ministry and, and God into their lives as well? Well, definitely. I definitely uh, plan on passing on um, uh, God's image. And that's what we're supposed to do as parents is to pass on the image of God. And so um, I'm excited about having the opportunity to do that, the privilege of doing that. And uh, so what I try to do is every, every night at dinner or during lunch or during breakfast, one of those times where we're sitting at the table is just pull out the Bible, find one verse. Uh, and teach them something because fathers are supposed to raise their children. And so that's what I try to do. Sometimes it comes with food getting thrown across the table, people <laughs> not paying attention, feet up all over the place. I mean, it's always wild, um, but it's something I remember my dad and mom doing and something that I definitely want to pass on. And it's never, there's never an age that's too young to start. No, it's never an age that's too young to start. I mean, it may change how you do it, uh, but you, but, but you should definitely do it. Sometimes I'm getting up from the table, doing dances and doing little songs, uh, that capture their attention. 
but if they're able to leave the table and repeat it, uh, then then we're we're working into the mind, and uh, whatever a man thinks, uh, so he is. So that's uh, that's what we're working on. So you're also an author. Your most recent book is Your Time Is Now. Tell us about this new book. It's awesome, and I love the message that you're trying to share with this new book. Yeah, absolutely. Your time is now. Uh, it's recognition that all of time is now. Many people will skip the journey for the goal. And that's not what God wants. God wants you to know that he doesn't miss anything and he uses everything. And so a lot of people want to give up in, in, in the pain. A lot of people want to give up when things aren't going their way. But he's going to use your misery for your greatest ministry. God doesn't waste anything. And so I wanted to encourage people uh, with my story uh, personally, uh, but also just to make sure that they understand practically how to get what God has given them, because God has given each of us a divine design or we wouldn't be here. He's given each of us a divine destiny. And so I want to teach people based on my story, but based on God's word, uh, how to get what God has given you and to do it right now. Don't give up. Don't quit because God is calling you and he's ready for you whenever you're ready for him. And why did you choose now to share this message? Well, yeah, because now is the time. I mean, there's no better time than now, especially um, writing it and coming out with it before and during the pandemic when, uh, when there's lockdown and um, all of these uh, different situations are happening in people's families. There's, there's fear, there's rent moratoriums, there's all of these different uh, things where God is shaking things up. And God will normally shake things up because he's uh, about to start moving things up. And so it was a perfect time for me to get into people's homes, get into people's lives, get into their teens, um, and to their young adults, and to college students, and to anyone um, who's looking to get up off the couch, get up out of the rut that we've been placed in through external circumstances, but sometimes we've been placed in them through personal circumstances, um, because God wants to use you, and there's, there's never a better time uh, than right now in your circumstances, through your circumstances, and for his kingdom. The pandemic has also been an, uh, a time where we've had that opportunity to figure out who is most important. And it's been an opportunity where we've been able to get the most intimate with God. We possibly have been in our life because we have nothing more to do than to sit in our homes up here in Canada. We're slowly, slowly getting out of this lockdown for the third time. We're still in the midst of it as we speak. This is like you said, now is the time. Yeah, absolutely. Now is the time. And it's the time that, you know, when God shakes things up, it's because he's trying to do something new. Um, in Deuteronomy 34, which is the last chapter of, the, of Deuteronomy, uh, Moses died suddenly. And it was a shock to the people because it says his vigor was not abated and his eyes were white and God buried him. So it was a sudden thing that God did um, to bury Moses. But when you turn the page from Deuteronomy 34 to Joshua 1, the first word is now. He says, now, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the word has come to Joshua. And so God has the same game plan, but he wants to do something new. He wants to use somebody new. He wants to use innovative things. He wants to, use, he wants to go digital. He wants to go further than, he, than, than we've gone in the past. And he'll use pandemics to do it. Because now that we're shut down, like you in Canada, now that we're uh, not able to get out and about, people have to be creative. So you have a certain group of people. You have some pe group of people who will sit still and whine and complain about the pandemic. You have another group of people um, that will see the pandemic as an opportunity to change the game, um, to change how they do and to get a further reach. And so God does not want you to be the first person. He does not want you to see the pandemic as a, as a loss. He wants you to see the pandemic 
as an opportunity in the midst of the loss. And when you do that, um, you have that now moment that Joshua had, even though he had to mourn for 30 days because of the loss of Moses. And so all throughout the Bible, you have people who are in pits, people who are experienced loss, uh, people who are leading sheep, and then suddenly they get calls to be king. Uh, people who are barren, but then suddenly they're able to have children. I mean, you have all of these suddenlies in the Bible where things shift and change that come through hard times and loss. And so you want to use the loss as a catalyst, um, not as a block or a, a something that slows you down. And so that's why I wanted to write this book, uh, because I wanted to challenge myself and challenge other people out there uh, to get what God has given you in a practical way and do it right now. Now, you were speaking about your own journey as well. You're, you're Tony Evans' son, so you're obviously going down a path with him. But you also, in that journey, discovered that you also needed your own path. Tell us a little bit about your journey. Well, absolutely. I mean, being Dr. Tony Evans' son uh, makes you not want to do ministry. Sometimes it, <laughs> it's not, it doesn't make you want to follow him up. I mean, uh, you know, he just preached this past Sunday, and I'm thinking, man, what am I doing trying to do this? I mean, this guy is unbelievable. And a lot of times people spend their lives in comparison. And so people will compare themselves to other people and use other people as the barometer by which they determine whether they can do what God has called them to do. And God has not called you to compare. God has called you to walk in your own shoes. I remember my mom um, uh, told me, she said, what would happen if you tried to put on your dad's shoes? I said, well, he wears a 10 and a half and I wear a 13. So my feet would be crushed. She said, exactly. And so she was trying to let me know that you don't compare, but you do utilize the things that you've learned to allow God to use you the way that he made you. And it may come in an unorthodox way. And so when you're looking at somebody else and when you're looking at what they do, um, you're going to be frustrated. You're, you're, you're not going to understand how you're going to be able to fit into that mold. And the reality is you were never meant to fit into that mold. God is going to use you the way that he's going to use you. And he's going to use those people that you're looking at as catalysts to propel you and teach you, but not for you to hold on to. If Joshua were to hold on to Moses, he would have been stuck on the wrong side of the Jordan because Moses couldn't go where, jo where God was going to take Joshua. And so people just have to understand uh, that and continue to be strong as they move forward. You're constantly bringing up Joshua because you use Joshua as a model uh, for following God's calling. Tell us a little bit more about that. Well, definitely. Yeah, Joshua is a, is a big deal in the Bible, because he gets the people of God into the place of God that God had promised them when they were coming out of Egypt, Egypt. And so he has this big calling on his life. And in Joshua chapter one, God has to tell Joshua to be strong and courageous four times in the first chapter. And the reason why he has to tell him to be strong and courageous four times in one chapter is because he wasn't. <laughs> it's because Joshua's knees were weak and his palms were sweaty. I mean, suddenly after the death of Moses, now he's coming into this huge calling. And he has to believe that he's already been prepared. He has to believe that all the time that he spent with Moses, that the time that he went uh, spying out the land, that the time that um, Moses called him to go fight against Amalek in, uh, in uh, um, Exodus chapter 17, that all of those different circumstances that he's been through, he has to believe that all of those things will make him ready in this moment. And he has to ultimately trust God. He has to ultimately trust that everywhere his foot treads, God has already given it, given it to him just as he has spoken to Moses. And so there's so much faith there, so much trust there, so much um, willingness to go there, even in the spite of your own fears, that it was definitely a model that I wanted to use uh, in this book uh, to accomplish promises. Because the promise is there, but God partners with people so that the people that he partners with can experience the promise. 
if 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 Joshua doesn't go, if Joshua doesn't uh, you know uh, go and fight Jericho, if Joshua doesn't go up against AI, if Joshua doesn't have the faith um, to to have the stones of remembrance and cross the Jordan, then he could be called and still not experience his calling because he uh, didn't take up his mantle. And so there's something that we have there, there's something to be said that we have to get what God has given. He's given it to us. Ephesians chapter one says God has given us every gift in, in heavenly places. So everything that we're going to need has already been given, but we have the, uh, the obligation to go get it. So obviously confidence then plays a role in all of this as well. Tell us a little bit about that and how that affects our actions. Yeah, absolutely. Confidence is a big deal. Not arrogance, confidence. Arrogance says I don't need God. Confidence said I can do it because I have God. And so when we understand the difference between those two, we can move forward biblically confident without being unbiblically um, arrogant. And so what that has to do is what Paul said in Philippians 1.6. He says, I have confidence that he who began a good work in me is faithful to perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. And so Paul says, I am confident in he, not me. I have confidence in him, not them. I have confidence in, in my savior, not anyone else's particular behavior. And so when we understand that who to have confidence in, we understand that we can have confidence because the Bible says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Uh, the Bible says that, that he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. The Bible says that, you know, you will have troubles in this life, but be of good cheers because I've already overcome them. The Bible has all of these promise, promises for you and me to be, have confidence, but we have to have confidence in the right object, uh, which is Jesus Christ. And when we have that, um, we're able to use that as the stepping stone to move forward and confidence in what God is calling us to do, even in the midst of pandemics. It's amazing what can happen. A lot of us that have been Christians for a long time or those stepping in will be like, this is all rainbow, sunshine and butterflies. But that is not the case. It is tough. There are going to be losses. There are, there's going to be pandemics. There's going to be things that are going to get in the way. How can we get past that and know that there is joy, there is an outcome that is positive at the end? Well, you have to get past it by faith in, in God's word and not based on circumstances and your feelings. Most people use their circumstances as the God that determines what's going to happen in their life. Most people use their pain as the God that determines where they actually are and where they will be. A lot of t- that's why the Bible says in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful and the most uh, deceitful thing. Um, how can anyone understand it? It's not telling you to follow your heart. That's an American slogan. That's not a biblical slogan. The Bible is telling you to put your heart on a leash and demand that it follows the truth. And the truth is that God said in John 16, 33, that you will have trouble. So he's already letting you know up front. It shouldn't be a shock because Jesus already told us the truth but you can still have joy because I've already overcome it. And that's what we have to have faith in. We have to have faith that God has already overcome even the problems, trials, and tribulations that we face. Therefore, we can still walk on the water like Peter did in Matthew Matthew 14. He walked on the water. Notice that when he walked on the water, the water was still raging. The winds were still blowing. The storm was still in effect when he was walking on it but he could walk on it because Jesus had already walked on it. So his faith in Jesus being able to overcome it gave him the faith to walk on it, even though the storm was still raging. Believing in Jesus doesn't mean that you won't have storms. 
believing in Jesus just means that you'll be able to walk on the storms that you have. And when we understand that, we're able to move forward even when we face tumultuous times. It's a sense of strength for most that they don't they don't realize that they have. You yourself have been through um, difficult times with uh, the loss of your mother. Um, tell us how you managed to overcome the losses in your life. Yes, absolutely. We've we've had uh, definitely losses. Uh, we've had eight losses actually in our family mm-hmm. in the span of about two and a half years, back to back, every six months. Um, that we have gotten closer and closer and closer um, to us, uh, but they're all close. I mean, from my dad's dad to my dad's brother to my dad's sister to my dad's sister's husband to my dad's niece, my cousin. Um, there's just been loss after loss, and then obviously culminating in the loss of my mom. And so talk about having to have faith uh, in these times. Um, that's definitely what I've uh, I've had to do. I've had to put my faith in God that even through the loss, that God is still continuing his kingdom, and he wants to do it through us. You know, my mom was the catalyst for that. When we found out she was terminally ill, um, we were very dismayed. We were, you know, as you can imagine, shedding tears and and just just in a hard place. And my mom said, hey, guys, sit down. Let me tell you something. This is spiritual warfare, and the Evans family will not tuck tail and run. If you're asked to preach, you're going to preach. If you're going to write, you're going to write. If you're, going to, if you're called to sing, you're going to sing. You're going to move forward. And I remember looking at her and thinking, how can you be talking about ministry at a time like this? And she looked back at me and said, because that's why you exist. And so this is why God has you here. And you don't skip why God has you here because you experience loss, grief, and pain. You use that to continue to go forward, knowing that every player in the game will eventually retire. There's not a player on the planet that God is going to use that will not have to eventually retire. But the call is for the players that are still in the game to keep their head down and keep playing as hard as they can until they retire too. But retiring is not mutually exclusive to any one person. We're all going to retire. But before we do, we need to know that we gave it all on the field. And that's what she was telling us. And that's what I'm telling you. It's amazing how much you fit into a three-minute video that I just saw on your Facebook. Um, But what I kept hearing over and over and over again was, it doesn't matter what you're going through. It could be the worst time of your life. Now is the time. That's exactly right. And, you know, that's what we did. You know, in this book, there's a movie inside of it. And so we wanted this to be a comprehensive experience. So you're going to read every three chapters. You're going to scan a QR code and it's going to start a movie and continue a movie throughout the book. At the end of the book, there's a, a, another QR code where you can see the, the full film without it being chopped up. Um, throughout the book and you can also uh, listen um, to a soundtrack we put a soundtrack in the book so long after the book is done um, you can still uh, be encouraged by it because we want you to experience the fact that your time is now no matter what you're going through all the time and so that's what the book is about and that's what it has in it Um, and so I'm just excited to be able to share it and I'm excited about what God is going to do in your life even in the midst of your storm. But if, if people made excuses in the Bible, which they did, you know, Moses said, I, I can't even talk. I've got doubt. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh? I mean, there's all of these people, Gideon, I only have 300 men. Are you kidding me? I mean, there's all of these people in the Bible who had doubts because of their current situations, but they still pushed through in faith, even with the doubts that they had, because they knew that God was bigger than the thing that made them have the doubt in the first place. And that's why they all made it to Hebrews 11, which is the hall of faith and the hall of fame in the Bible. Not because they didn't have hard times, but because they overcome, overcame the hard times that they had. And so keep pushing through. This is a message not just for you. This is a message for me. 
Um, and you're getting the overflow of it that I have to push through the doubt. I have to push through the pain. I have to push through the loss. I have to push through the grief uh, to experience what God has in my life. And even right now, I, I take walks at 7 a.m. every morning asking God, what am I doing? Where do you want me to go? How do I get it done? Um, I need to hear your voice. I need you to speak to me specifically. I need you to tell me where am I failing in raising my children? Where, where can I be better? at, at uh, being a husband to my wife? What, where do you want me to go in ministry? What do you want me to do? How do you want me to do it? I mean, I do that on a daily basis because I don't know. <laughs> I do it on a daily basis because I'm still trying to figure it out. Uh, but what I am going to do is get up and walk. What I am going to do is get up and pray. What I'm going to do is get up and seek ye first his kingdom and let these things be added unto me as I seek him. And so if you do that, uh, get ready because God is coming. He's already came. For those who want to hear more from you, they want to pick up this book and they just want to be inspired by your message right now. How can they go about doing that? Yeah, absolutely. And so you can get this book anywhere books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Nobles, online. They'll ship it straight to your house. Um, and it's your time is now. So you can look it up. You can get it. Um, and so also you can follow me. If you want to follow me, just know that you're going to be following Christ and you're going to be following authenticity. I don't want to play games. I don't have time for that. Um, and so just my name, Jonathan Blake Evans is Jonathan Blake Evans. And that's Jonathan Blake Evans.com, Jonathan Blake Evans, Instagram, Jonathan Blake Evans, Facebook. Um, and so it's all Jonathan Blake Evans and you can find me there. And, uh, and we look forward to connecting. Thank you so much for your time today. Appreciate it. Okay. I appreciate you. Such an eye-opening conversation. Thank you so much for joining us and for listening today. Remember, if you want to listen to this full podcast again and hear some of the bonus material that did not make it to air, you can do that by checking out our podcast, Connections with Mike, Tom, and Colleen Hood. You can find that at podcastville.ca or wherever else you get your favorite podcast from. Don't forget to subscribe. We'll talk to you again on Connections.